I've been gone for a couple weeks, and I notice uh, in the bulletins you can't even spell my name right anymore. <laughs> it's with an A. It's Chan. Okay. Um, I've missed you too. Uh, <laughs> it's it's been it's been cool. Last last Sunday I was actually at our church plant in uh, in uh, Texas um, with Doug Fox, and you know the coolest part. Of, I mean, the services were great. I got to teach there. Um, the coolest part of going to the church in Rockwall this last week, for me personally, was I was pretty exhausted. I'd done something in Dallas the night before, and, and so then uh, Sunday morning I drive into the parking lot, and Doug happens to drive in the exact same time. And uh, so I see, you know, uh, all these people in his car, so I'm like, oh, cool, I get to see Franny, the kids, you know, catch up. But as he gets out of the car, it's not his family that's in there. It's, it's four homeless people that come out of his car. And I... I, I can't tell you how blessed I was by that. Because you show me one other senior pastor who, in preparation for your message or Sunday morning, you're out picking up homeless people and bringing them to church. Um, it's, it's a rare thing that's going on out there. And I, you know, a lot of times we see what God's doing here in Simi Valley, but we've got to remember the people that have left here and gone and done other things. A lot of our friends moved to Texas to help start this church. And just so you guys can be encouraged and know that God's live and well in, in Cornerstone, Rockwall, Texas. And uh, God's doing some great things there. Uh, the last, last couple of weeks have really been amazing. I've been, been everywhere. I mean, literally, it's like there's a different city every day. And, um, and just watching what God's doing and, and getting the opportunity to, to share what God's doing here. And people are so encouraged by what is going on in Simi Valley. It's just so weird. Um, but, but, uh, it's, it's funny because you never know what you're going to get when you go to these conferences and you never know how they're going to introduce you. And a, about a week ago, I was in Florida and there was an introduction of me that there will never be a more unique introduction of me ever. Like you, you can't top this one and it's on video and I want to show it to you because there's no spiritual value to this. It's just hilarious. So here's, you know, I'm getting ready to speak and here's what happens. supposed to speak after that you know uh, anyways like I said no spiritual value in that just uh, just a great laugh I wanted to share with you guys um, it's it's it really has been amazing though what God's been doing and how many people around are just listening in on uh, on the faith of the people of you guys and, the, and what's going on in this church 
and uh, how many people are just looking to hear more and more stories of what's going on in the congregation of this church in Simi Valley. And so it's just such a blast to be a part of something like that. Um, I want to talk about something this morning, and I want to be careful. In fact, you know, I want to pray because last service was so good, you know, just everything, like just the spirit just falling on this place. And a lot of times when something like that happens, I think, okay, I want to do everything just like last service. But then that never works, you know, because God is a creator and he wants to do new things all of the time. And he's not a duplicator. And and every time I go, God, do exactly what you did last service, you know. That's just not what he's about because it's a different group of people in this room. There's different needs and different words may need to come out of my mouth and different responses. And I just want to pray that that God really moves in us during this specific service. So would you join with me? Father, you're almighty God. And somehow you know what everyone needs. And somehow you can even control the words out of my mouth. I ask that you do that, that I would surrender my lips completely to your Holy Spirit. And that everyone here would surrender their ears to the Holy Spirit and their hearts. To just be willing to listen and be encouraged by your word, however you want it presented. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes I, uh, this, this whole thing with repetition, I don't know what, what you're like, but you know how we each have our own little idiosyncrasies? I don't like repetition. Um, you know, like I won't watch a movie twice. That's just silly to me. You know, some of you guys will watch something over and over again because you liked it so much. And, and so I tend to not, not repeat myself a whole lot, even from the stage. You know, if I teach something, I go, eh, I just taught that eight years ago. You know, they'll remember. And, and yet that's so bad because in scripture, certain things are repeated over and over and over again. And because of my issues, I tend to not repeat them. And yet this is something that I go, you know what, Lord? Yeah, that, that's totally wrong. I need to, I need to repeat something. I need to say something over and over again. Um, at least this month. I, I want to talk about, uh, courage. And, uh, and, you're gonna, and I know I just spoke about this not too long ago, and I want to let you know that I'm going to be speaking about it more and more. And the reason why is I see it throughout Scripture a lot. And I also want to repeat myself on this topic because I may be the one guy that keeps telling you to believe in the power that's in you, the Holy Spirit that's in you. Um, there, we, we, we live in a world where everyone's telling you you can't pull this off. Um, we live in a time when, when people even in the church don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and what he can do. Um, sometimes we just look at the scriptures and go, well, yeah, that was back then. And you guys, it, it, it's, it's not about back then. It's, it's about always. It's about ever since the beginning of this book and all the way to the end, the followers of God were filled with courage. There was a fearlessness in them. There was a confidence of, my God will come through. We grew up with these stories. We, we really did. But, but, but some of us, we, we lost it in there somewhere to the point where you, you come to service and now a lot of you are just scared. You're, you're fearful. Even some of you moms here, you know, for Mother's Day, it's like, oh, can I really pull off this task of being a mom? Can I really do this well? Can I really be an example to my kids? Can I get them there? Can I get it? You know, and, and there's, there's fears. There's fears of 
us as dads and as parents. Parents are more afraid than ever. You know, well, if I tell my kid no, maybe he won't like me. Maybe she won't like me anymore. And so we've got these kids just running out of control, just doing whatever because we're scared of, well, I don't want to lose their friendship. What if I do this? And so it's just easier to just say yes to everything and just let them have what they want because at least they still kind of like me. And, and, and there's just, I mean, it goes from there to our jobs and the economy and, and, and then it, then, the, then to go towards, to even think about doing great things for the Lord, it's like we lose all of that. And yet from the beginning, when I read these stories, it's about people who say, no, I'm not afraid. And all the way to the end, all the way to the book of Revelation, where it says, you know what, those who conquer, those who make it through there, it says in Revelation 21, 6, those are the ones that I'm going to bring with me. And I'm going to say, that I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my children. But the cowards, the disbelieving, and he goes on to describe the lake of fire. And it's like, no, okay, we've got to be those bold people, those courageous people. And I just want to remind you week after week about how much power is in you, those who have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. I mean, think about how many of you guys grew up in church? Like you, you went to Sunday school as a little kid. How many went to Sunday school as a little kid? Let me put it that way. Okay, okay, about half of you. About half of you. Okay. Remember the stories that we'd hear in Sunday school. What were your favorite stories uh, that, that from from Sunday school as a little kid? Daniel, Daniel and the lions. Den, good. David and Goliath, right? Jonah, Esther, Noah, Exodus. Yeah, the whole uh, part in the Red Sea. Oh yeah, Jesus. They talked around. <laughs> Wait, what did he do? I was trying to... Okay, well... What else? What other stories do you remember from childhood? Joshua? Who, who? The prodigal son? Yeah. Samson? Stephen? Joseph? Yeah, see, think about these stories, though. Man, it was weird. First service when I said, what did you remember? It was like in unison. Everyone goes, David and Goliath. Like, like that was, and I still remember, I always loved David and Goliath week. I mean, it, was, it seemed like every other week it was David and Goliath. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I loved the story of this scrawny little guy with these rocks in his pocket and, and, and looking at this giant and going, man, I can take him down. I am going to take him down. I don't care how big he is. I'm going to take him down because I've got my God. You know, you mentioned Daniel and the lions. And didn't we love that story? It's like we watched how God would rescue him. You know, it's like he's going to be there and there's going to be lions everywhere. But you know what? God's going to shut the mouth of all the lions. And then there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? And they were going, no, we're not going to bow to that idol. We will not bow down. I don't care if everyone else bows down. I'm not going to bow down. And they're like, well, then we're going to throw you in this big pit of fire, this fiery furnace. And, and remember what they say? They go, go ahead. God will rescue us. Our God can rescue us. I don't care if you throw me in a pit of fire. And so as a kid, you're hearing these things going, yeah, you know, and, and sure enough, they throw them in this pit of fire, this fiery furnace, and what happens? You're like, wait, now there's four of them. How did that fourth guy get down? Who is that? Who is that? And then, and then they come out of the fire, and, and it says they didn't even smell like smoke. That nothing happened to them. And everyone's amazed. And we love that story. We love the story of, of the Exodus, someone mentioned, with Moses going, let my people go. Let them go. We're going to send a bunch of plagues on you. Well, this last one's going to be terrible. 
And then you get to the Red Sea and he just parts the Red Sea and God's people go through. And, and these are the stories. Remember the story of Joseph, you know, sold into slavery, but just kept believing, kept believing, kept believing. We love the story of Elijah standing on Mount Carmel against 450 prophets of Baal. And, he, and he's just mocking them, mocking them, mocking them. He was fearless. He goes, man, oh my God is going to take you down. It doesn't matter. You can jump, sing all day long. Your God's not going to listen to you. He's not real. My God's a real God. And so these are the stories we grew up with, with this courage. And don't you remember as a kid just having this faith like God can do anything through me. And you just walked out with this courage. And I, I, I was just even remembering back to when I was in high school. And I first started believing for myself and it was real to me. And, and I really in my head thought, you know what? God could use me to reach my whole campus. I bet you by the end of the year, by the end of my senior year, I think I can fill this whole gymnasium with people, you know, just as a, I believe that. I remember just going through the yearbook calling people. I remember cutting class telling people about Jesus. It's, I believe like this is going to happen. No, I'm going to change this place and on and on and on. All these, this belief. But then what happens is it seems like through the years, people calm you down, you know, and and, and really, the older we get, and, 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 and I know this isn't true across the board of everyone, but for the most part, we start to lose that courage. We get knocked down here and there, and then people start telling you you can't pull it off. And, and our faith and that risk and that courage just seems to subside. And, and it's not right. It's, it's not good. That's not, that's not how we want to live. And it's so rare that someone, even in church gatherings, it's so rare for someone to put their arm around you and remind you of how powerful you are, how powerful your God is who dwells inside of you, and what you can do. You know, we, we, we kind of, we, we become more and more cowardly, and we'll call it responsible. You know, so that we feel better about ourselves. We go, no, I'm just being responsible. I'm just being a good steward of my life, you know, because God wouldn't want me just kind of throwing all away. And, you know, I'm just being careful. You know, people go, man, you spend a lot of time going and speaking to youth, speaking to college students. And why? And I go, they still believe. They still believe that God could do anything, like anything, and they live like it. And and they're looking for 40-year-old guys with kids that'll still do crazy things. And they need to believe that God is still God, not just when he was when we were little kids, but when we're 40, when we're 80, just go, man, I'm gonna go for it. God's done some amazing things throughout time and you can probably even think right now of times when your dreams were squashed. Times when you just felt, oh, God wants me to do this thing. God wants me to do this thing. And then feel things don't happen the way you thought they would. And pretty soon people start talking you into being a little bit more responsible. And then pretty soon, because that's where your flesh wants to go anyways, you just go, yeah, I can't do anything great. See, sometimes in church... I know for me, man, I, I was going nuts when I was in high school and then junior college. But then I remember 
getting more educated and going off to Bible college. And pretty soon you, you meet these people that are more educated than you are. And you start to feel really dumb compared to them. And then you think, well, I don't want to say anything because that guy's so much smarter. Just listen to him. You know, and then, then, then the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. And there's always someone better than you. And you think, well, I can't counsel. That guy's got a Ph.D. in counseling. And, you know, he was a guest of Dr. Phil. and You know, and you start going, going, going. And you just start believing like, well, what am I going to do? I can't. And you just, you know what, maybe, maybe they'll just come to church and Francis will talk to him or, or maybe this will happen or this will happen to the point where you just don't even believe that God could do anything great through you anymore. And is that really how we want to live? It doesn't make sense. We're children of God. There's, there's a guy in our church. Um, there's a guy in our church who bench presses 1150 pounds you, you can't even fathom it he's the strongest man in the world espn we we we, uh, we baptized him a while ago we had to turn him sideways you know <laughs> i mean you know anyone who's bench pressed is going i don't even get that that doesn't even make sense that's not humanly possible are you sure he's a human you know 1150 pounds 1150 world record amazing you know what's more amazing his wife bench presses 405 pounds a girl 400? Are you kidding me? I will never even come close. Won't even try that. Oh, I, that would be a, that would be hilarious to, 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 to try to push 400 pounds up. They have kids. <laughs> I don't know their kids. My guess? <laughs> They're not picked on a whole lot. It'd be weird. If they were all scrawny, <laughs> that would just look weird. You guys, and I guess what I'm saying is we're children of the most powerful being in existence. And it just looks weird when we're scared. It just does. From cover to cover, this is about one being who can do anything, who's confident, who just sits there and goes, look, I, I'm the only one who holds the keys to life and death and everything else. All about, you know, from beginning to end is to show off his power. And so when his children are weak and scared, it just doesn't make sense. It looks really strange. You know, when we've got such a powerful God, and maybe it's because we don't focus on him enough. And I've been, and that's why the more I'm reading the scriptures, the more I'm just going, Lord, you know, I want to walk around like a child of God, a true child of God, who's fearless, who's courageous, because that's what they did. That's what followers of Yahweh have been marked by this power and this confidence of my God will come through. And we love those stories as kids. And and my desire over the next few weeks is just to stir that back up in us again and go, you know what? Yeah, I'm further along in my years, but why don't I believe like I used to? As I grow in my knowledge, I want my courage and my boldness to grow with it, not, not the opposite. When's the last time you just went and did something that was just absolutely insane in the eyes of everyone else, but you had the confidence? You knew 
That was what God was calling you to do. I, I want to turn us to uh, one passage in particular, one of my favorite Old Testament stories. And it's the story of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua. Someone mentioned Joshua. Um, but but turn, to, uh, turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Um, and as you turn there, I want to throw a couple of quotes on the screen. First one is by Tertullian, who was one of the early believers, one of the early uh, leaders in the church. Um, lived around 180-ish A.D. It says, The Lord challenges us to suffer persecutions and to confess him. He wants those who belong to him to be brave and fearless. He himself shows how weakness of the flesh is overcome by courage of the spirit. This is the testimony of the apostles and in particular of the representative administrating I'm sorry, and in particular of the representative administrating spirit, a Christian is fearless. A.W. Tozer writes this, We may may as well face it, the whole level of spirituality among us is low. We've measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus and the things of the spirit is all but gone. We've imitated the world sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. He says, you know, are we just doing what the world does? If we bring the most gifted people, you know, then we can muster up some sort of power. Or are we really about the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we really believing in this same crazy, insane power that we saw in Scripture and of all these great men and women of God. See, in, in Numbers chapter 13, we have the story of... That's, that's when, uh, that's when uh, God had just led the people of Israel, you know, away from the Egyptians. He, you know, threw all the plagues on them. You know, it's, it's, it's the whole Prince of Egypt thing. And then, you know, Moses goes to the Red Sea and the army's chasing them and he divides the water. They go through, they're in the desert and God is going to take them to this promised land. And God goes, okay, we're, we're, we're here. We're here. This is the promised land right in front of you. And, uh, and so what happens in Numbers chapter 13 is, uh, they send some spies. Remember that? I love this story of the spies. They, they said, you know what? Let's, let's have some people scope out the land. And so they decide to send 12. They pick 12 guys that go, you know what? Let's send them in there and they'll spy it all out. And then in verse uh, 25, they come back after spying out the land. Numbers 13, verse 25. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paranakadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the high land of the Negev. The, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. The men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, 
the land through which we have gone to spy out. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. So you've got these, these spies that come back. The 12 of them come back. And there's two of them. Joshua, and then here it mentions Caleb, who says, we can do this thing. Let's go. You know, God already split the Red Sea. He killed the firstborn of all of Egypt. I think he can pull this off. Let's go. But the other 10 looked around. They go, man, did you see how big those people were? And they come back and they, they stir the whole congregation of you. Hey, you guys, let's be good stewards of our lives. You know, if we die out there, you know, what's going to happen to our kids? We're just being responsible. We can't win this thing. They're way too big. It's, it's, it's way too out there. Let's, let's, just, let's just calm down and, you know, we got this far. And let's just be glad that we're still alive. And, and all of the people followed those ten. They didn't listen to Caleb. They didn't listen to Joshua. You got, you got two people that are going, no, we can do this thing. You've got ten that are saying, no, we can't. And suddenly everyone, everyone is discouraged. Everyone stops believing And then you have in chapter 14, God's response to that. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day you shall bear for the iniquity 40 years and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do all this wicked generation who are gathered against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land, the men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive. So God was not pleased. He's never been pleased with cowardice. He's never been pleased with people who don't believe that he can come through and that he can do anything. I mean, don't you see it there? I mean, he says, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. Because you guys spied it out for 40 days and you come back and you get all these people disbelieving that I can take them down. You know what? I'm going to make you wander around for 40 years. And he says to those people, everyone is 20 and over, just guess what? You're never going to the promised land. 
You're all going to die here in the wilderness. And those 10 spies who convinced you of all that, they're going to die right now. I just put a plague on them. Okay, everyone's going to wander and die except for Joshua and Caleb because they believed in me. And then all the little kids. And they're going to build up a new generation. And we're going to take this land. My question to you is who do you resemble? Do you resemble Joshua and Caleb? Or do you resemble everyone else? Who's looking at the problems in life? Looking at God's calling for your life and things that he's asked you to do? And you just start listening to those voices telling you, you can't do this, you can't do anything great. You guys, the reason why I can talk about this so easily is because I've heard all those voices my whole life. Man, I've heard everyone telling me, you can't do it. You can't change the world. You know, there's always going to be poor people out there. You can't rescue every kid that's been trafficked by these sex offenders. You're not going to save L.A., you, 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 you know, you, you can't help all those inner city poor. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. You, all the voices, you got to be responsible. You got to be this. You got to be that. And meanwhile, in my soul, I'm trying to fight for this faith I used to have when I was a little kid. You know, when I was younger and I just believed that God could do anything through me. And, and there were things that I knew. I knew God wanted me to say, man, I'll go in a place and I'll know God wants me to say something and I'll just get so scared. Because I know how people will respond. I got, I got scared this morning again, even over dumb things, dumb things. Even showing that video, you know, I think, oh, this will just be fun, whatever. But then I hear these voices, people in the past that have said, Francis, why do you always feel like you have to be funny? And people confront me. They confront me on anything. But it's just like, why do you have to be funny up there? I go, it's not like I even try. It's just funny comes out. It just is, it's, it's, it's who I am. I can't, you know, I can't go up there and not be me. You know, it's just, ah, I'm hilarious. You know, it's just, see, it's just, but all of that, it gets in your head. You're just like, no, you know, don't, don't be this. Don't be too, why do you have to be so convicting? Why do you have to be so hard? Why do you have to be this? Because we want to, we want to just calm everyone down and make them normal. We want to, because let's face it, we were all weird at one point, Right? And everyone just kind of calms you down. And then even with our dreams before the Lord and things that he called us to do and to say, people mellowed us out and said, you can't do that. It is like, it's like a Christian Prozac. It's just, you know, no, don't go to those extremes. You know, we want you right here. We just want to calm you down, mellow you out. We just, and it's like, is that what you see in scripture? No, scripture was always about, no, you, you, yeah, right on, right on. You're courageous. You're, you're insane. You believe when no one else believes. You stay that way. And I pray that your boldness will get even greater. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. Remember when, when the people were amazed? They were astonished by the boldness of Peter and John. And so now here's the leaders astonished by their boldness. They come out of jail. And what do they do? They gather the believers together to pray for greater boldness. They didn't gather the believers together to put their arms around them and go, hey, calm down, calm down. You know what? You're going to die. Who's going to take care of your family? You know, calm down. Let's, let's, let's not do this. Let's not do this. I mean, you know, you don't have to preach that much. You know, I mean, they're after you. They're going to kill you. And that's not what the believers prayed for. It was for boldness. It's like, wow, you believe like a little kid. You know, I'm going to pray that you even be, get more bold. See, my favorite part of that story of the spies 
is it doesn't end there. My favorite part of this story is what happens 45 years later. 45 years later. I just love this passage. I, I even... I was reading it during the first service and I just started welling up with tears because I love it so much. It's in Joshua. Here's 45 years later. Joshua 14. Joshua 14. And uh, what's happened here is it's 45 years later and Caleb is still alive, just like God said. Everyone else is dead, but Joshua and Caleb are still alive. Okay, God, God predicted this, and God's been right every time so far. And he says, look, everyone's going to die off. These guys will die of a plague. But these two guys, because they believed in me, they're going to live, and they're the only ones that are going to walk into this promised land. And the little kids. And so, so here you have, I love this, okay? It's, it's uh, Joshua 14, verse 7, and here's Caleb speaking. Listen to his words. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out. Just as the Lord said. Isn't that just beautiful? Picture an 85-year-old man getting up in front of a crowd and going, 45 years ago, no one believed. And I was like, let's do this thing. 45 years ago, because I remember 45 years ago, just coming back and going, no, we can do this thing, we can do this thing, we can do this thing. Even though my brother's like, no, we can't, no, we can't. I said, I believe completely in the Lord. And picture the 85-year-old man now. I love this. He goes, man, it's been 45 years. I'm 85, but you know what? I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. So let's go do this thing now, because God promised it. And so I can rush up that hill and I'll take down this army. Because it's never been about me. Yeah, I probably look a lot different than I did 45 years ago. But I'm just as strong because it's not about the flesh. It's about God being with me. I think that that, that story just hits me because I, I so want to be that. Don't you? Don't you want to be one of those two don't you want to be the 85-year-old that believes even more than you did when you were 40? And I guess that's what concerns me as I think of my faith when I was a kid. 
And I think about my faith at 40. 41, but I'm just going to pretend I'm still 40. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at a pattern, and it's not leading me to where Caleb was at the end of his life. I mean, this, if that's the direction of your faith, and you just, and I, I understand it. You, you just, you hear it. People are telling you, you can't. You can't. And you had dreams. You had things you wanted to say. And you just didn't say it. You just didn't do it. Or a couple things failed and you thought, oh, okay, you know what? I'm just not going to try anything great anymore. And, and our faith starts to die. And that's why, that's why this story means so much to me. Because I'm going, man, I want to, if the Lord tarries and if he has me live that old, man, could I just be more on fire for the Lord when I'm 85? Or am I going to keep listening to all of these voices that try to calm me down, mellow me out? Come on, no one lives that way anymore. That was for back then. But to read the book of Acts and go, man, I don't see that. To read the book of, to read Genesis and go, I don't see it. To see the book of Revelation and look at the end and go, man, no, I'm not going to be one of those cowards. I'm not going to be one of those ten. I want to, I want to be like Caleb to believe wholly, wholly on the Lord. That man, you know what he says? If I seek his kingdom first, everything's going to be taken care of. I, I, I swear it'll happen. Oh no, that's being irresponsible. Oh no, not anymore. Not 21st century. Now we've got methods of, 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 you know, taking care of yourself and looking to the future. Back then they had to, they had to use faith. We don't have to now because we've set up other systems and well, God gave that as provision to you. So it's like, no, no, I don't believe it. I believe I'm supposed to live by faith. And I believe the older I get, I should take bigger steps of faith. And it's harder because once kids are involved, it's, it's kind of like, ah, that's a dumb illustration, but it just came to me. So maybe I'm supposed to. Um, you ever gamble? <laughs> you shouldn't. But uh, I, I don't anymore. But, but that, that used to be one thing, just to be honest with you, that I struggled with. Like, I never lost anything real big, but just the excitement of winning you know and i remember and this is when i was younger one time i uh, i got a ticket uh i was heading to utah to speak at a camp and i got a ticket on the way there so i thought you know halfway there i thought oh, i know what i'll do i'll stop in vegas and win the money back to pay for the ticket because <laughs> god would honor that you know and and so i i, I stop and uh and you, you know there's this thing called uh uh Oh, when you, when you just let it ride. You know, I, I was down, you know, I, it was really dumb. I was up all night and kept taking, ah, another 20 bucks, ah, another 20 bucks. Really, really dumb. Um, especially if you believe in the sovereignty of God. Gambling is ridiculous. You know, now it's like, well, what's God gonna do? Bless me? You know? <laughs> He's in control. He knows what card's coming next. But I, I just remember, uh, you know, just letting it ride, letting it ride. And, you know, it started with two bucks and I just let it go. You know, so it was four bucks, eight bucks. Pretty soon I had a hundred dollars sitting there. And I thought this ticket's going to be 200 bucks. And if I win this hand, you know, and I remember my, my buddy next to me goes, ah, you don't have the guts to, to let it ride. I'm like, oh yeah, watch this, you know, and I get dealt a 10 and a three. I thought, no, what do I do? What do I do? I got a hundred bucks. See, it was easy to let it ride when it was two bucks. It's easy to, you know, you know, about a hundred bucks and I, I already made the decision. It's like, okay. And that 
10 comes out. I'm like, no, you know, oh, I lost everything. You know, it was easy, you know, when it was little, but now I had a hundred bucks on the table and just let it ride and bet it all. And I lost it all. See, in a lot of ways, I know sinful illustration. I'm not saying good to gamble. I'm telling you sin. Okay. So don't email. Okay. Here's the thing. My point my point, and I probably won't use it in the other services, so okay, so you guys are lucky. Okay, the point of this is when you're younger, to risk for the sake of the kingdom, it seems like the two bucks, isn't it? It's like, well, what am I going to lose? That's why, you know, even Jesus says it's, it's harder for the rich. It just is. They got more to lose. You go to India, go into some of these slums, and you go, hey, you know what? leave everything god's got a better life for you okay great (laughs) you come to see me valley and go hey leave everything are you kidding me you know how much i have and the older you get pretty soon it's like wow i don't know if i want to bet everything because now i've got a wife i've got kids i've got a home i've got a life insurance i got this 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 i you you're telling me to bet it all just b- believing that he's going to come through so so it gets harder doesn't it that the more you go in life it just seems like wow I'm, it was easy to bet it all back then but now i don't know i got i got i got bigger bigger responsibilities and it gets harder and harder and harder and so our faith and our risk and our courage we just i just want to play it safe i just want to play it safe let me pull out 98 dollars and i'll throw a couple back there i'll put two back down on the table i'll bet that i don't want to do that I want to be 85 years old and bet it all. I want to be 85 and go, nothing's changed. God's still God. I want to be Caleb. And, uh, and I know there's something in a lot of you that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've let go of things. You stopped believing. And I just want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to pray for me because this is what I hunger for. I've got enough people telling me that I can't do it. Just every once in a while, it'd be nice to hear a voice that says, you know what? You have a mighty God. I just want to lay my hands on you and pray for you. And that's what I want to do for you this morning. Some of you, like I said, some of you moms, Mother's Day, you're struggling with courage. I say this because we've gone through it as parents. You just, you you start doubting yourself and you start going, man, I can't. You know, the frustrating thing is you can't make your kids love Jesus no matter what you do. What are you going to do, force it on them? You you think if you do everything right, then they're going to believe and follow him? Now, I've seen some pretty awesome parents, godly men and women who've had kids that just went the opposite direction. You got no control and it's all in God's hands and and I'm just telling you, ladies, don't put all that pressure on yourself. Don't take yourself that seriously. You know, the Holy Spirit comes into your child's life and you pray like crazy for that to happen. And you model it in the home. Just be a woman of God. And don't believe the lie that well, all I'm supposed to do right now is just raise... Yes, that's your priority, but God may be calling you to other great things too. There may be people in your neighborhood, crazy things God's called you to, And maybe people have told you, no, you can't do all that. 
And some of you guys that are, are feeling like, man, I'm not even providing the economy and everything else. I just, I can't even focus. You're, you're telling me to have visions of great things God's going to do. I'm just trying to stay alive. And I'm going, man, that's no way to live. Where's the faith of when you were a kid that just believed? Some of you, some of you guys are in sin. You just are. You're in some major sin. And, and, and people have told you your whole life, well, you can't just, it doesn't happen that way. You don't just change overnight. But then you read the scriptures and you go, well, it seems like some people did. You know, and it's hard. And, and you go, man, it seems like it says here that the spirit can put to death the deeds of the flesh. Like put it to death, kill it. And, 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 and there's part of you that doesn't want to hear all these other voices and just want to hear the voice of God that says, no, I can kill this sin. I know by the power of the Holy Spirit, he promised me I can kill it. And you want to believe in that, but no one else is encouraging you. They're going, no, 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 you got to do this, you got to do this. And pretty soon you look like everyone else in the world with all these systems and there's no benefit to having the Holy Spirit in you. Man, some of you are in relationships and everyone's saying, no, you can't stay in that. You know, it's going to hurt you too much, this or that. But you've heard the voice of God. You've read the voice of God that's knowing, stay in and keep loving and keep fighting. And you're just worn out and you're going, man, no one can live through what I've lived through. And I just want to say, yes, you can. You can stay in that relationship. Others of you are in sinful relationships. And you need the courage to get out. You know it's not right before God. But you don't have the security. You don't have the courage. You don't believe that God would bring someone else. You don't believe that if God wanted this together, that even though you went apart for a while and got things right before him, that he could do Because you don't believe he can do anything great. And so you want to take matters into your own hands. I just want you to believe again that God's a great God. Some of you have heard specifically from the Lord. You know of things that you were created for. And just because no one else does it that way, you've backed off. Isn't this book filled with people that were examples of no one else did it that way? And everyone else was against them, but they stood. Caleb must have looked like a fool for believing. And so did Joshua. But 45 years later, and I'm telling you right now, whatever steps of faith God's calling you to take, I promise you 45 years from now, you won't regret it. Some of you are saying, I don't have 45 years. Yeah, you do. And some of you, 80 years from now, you're not going to regret it. I won't regret it. Here's what I want to do. I don't want to counsel you. We do enough talking. I want you to have faith again in the power of God. I want to pray over you. And I want to have some of our elders and some of the pastors and just some of the leaders lay hands on you and pray for you. In fact, Kendall's going to come up. She's just going to worship and sing and play. And and if there's something that in your life where you just go, you know what, I know God wants me to do this. And I've just lacked the courage. I'm going to ask you during this time just to come to the front and get on the steps, get on the floor, and just get on your knees. No one's going to talk to you. You're not going to get counseling from anyone. I'm just going to have some of the leaders come and lay hands on you and pray over you, not even ask you your name. 
Because the Bible says that in heaven, God knows your thoughts before you even pray them. He goes, so stop talking so much. You think God's going to listen to you because you spoke so well? But there's just this faith. I want you to believe that just by a godly man or woman laying his hands on you and praying for you that something would happen, that you'd have a boldness to do what you're called to do. And you can just stay on your knees as long as you want and different people may just come by and lay their hands on you and pray over you and pray for power to overcome the sin in your life, the power to walk across the street and talk to that neighbor that you know you're supposed to, to possibly change that eternal destiny by the power of the Spirit. And maybe some of you today, you're going, you know what? I've never even had the courage to follow Jesus. Like, I, I believe that he died on the cross. He had the courage to die on that cross for all of my sins. I believe he rose from the grave. But I've never even gotten up and confessed that through baptism. Because I was scared. Maybe this is the day where you stand before everyone you weren't. But just by the power of God, you come up here, you get in that water, and you just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with my old self. And you just die to your old self and rise again and you believe that the Holy Spirit will come into you to live the type of life that we're talking about that's strong and courageous. And if that's you, then you can go in the prayer room and someone will pray with you and will baptize you at the end of service. For the rest of us, I've been praying for this time that there would just be a time of power, unexplainable. That as we lay hands on you and pray for you, you leave a different person And it's unexplainable. Not that you're just a little bit stronger, but it's like out of control. Because that's the way they were in Scripture. And I believe it can still happen. So if that's you, I just invite you to come forward now and just get on your knees. And some of the elders and pastors come on forward and just just lay hands on you and just pray for you.